0: Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I recently listened to a TED Talk, and the TED Talk was all about Twitches. Now, a Twitch is an unintentional, unproductive response to discomfort. It's, it's kind of our quick solution to feelings, even though it doesn't really solve anything. It's spending out of boredom. It's spending because we had a bad day at work. In that same TED Talk, there was a quote that says the Twitch hijacks the ability to be there for people we love and to work towards long-term goals. The small things truly do add up. Now when I heard that, I immediately paused and I said, "This is an interesting concept. This is something I want to learn more about." And I thought, what better way to dive into what twitches mean and how we can learn to like love our attention than bringing on the TED Talk speaker? So that's who we're going to be talking to today. But before we dive into today's guest, I have to share a really great money win with you that will, I mean, it kind of melted my heart, but more than anything, it shows the importance of why we need to be on top of our finances. This one comes from Marari. She says, I live alone and I only have one phone line, AT&T. My employer provides my work phone. I just called AT&T because I felt my cell bill was maybe too high, $100. Come to find out, I was in some old grandfathered program that was charging me for everything separately. So I switched to a new program and my bill is now $40, hashtag money win. I am so proud of you, my friend. That is definitely a way to take ownership for your finances and to advocate for yourself. So I'm crazy proud that you made that phone call because so many people see that and don't even question it and just continue paying too much. So congrats to you and your money win. I think that's a really great example of a quick, easy solution that we can all take control over. So thank you so much for submitting your money win and sharing that with us. All right, let's dive into today's guest. Anthony Ongaro is a total rock star. He's the creator of Break the Twitch, which is a really, really popular website and YouTube channel with over 70,000 subscribers. He's definitely kicking butt in that area. He helps people learn to love their attention and build better habits while enjoying the process. His work has been featured in Fast Company, Huffington Post, Lifehacker, TEDx, and so many more publications. He also happens to have maybe the cutest dog I've ever seen, so definitely go check him out on Instagram so you can see his cute pup. It's just such a cute dog. Anyways, in this episode, here's what you're going to learn. We talk a little bit about how COVID has affected his creative process. We talk about his journey to minimalism and what that means to him, how clutter is really affecting us, even if you think it's not, the flow state, and how it doesn't necessarily come from passive consumption, loving and owning your attention. This was a common theme throughout this entire episode. I think you're going to really appreciate it. The false first step, I love this concept. I cannot wait for you to hear this. Redefining success and being living proof, how our attention tends to speak to us. And even just a couple quick tips to help us with productivity and to just get some things done. It was a really helpful segment and I personally appreciated it and I've been trying it myself and can honestly say... The specific one, Point and Calling, has been helping me with my own personal life. So I'm really excited for you to listen to that one as well. All right, my friends, are you ready to meet Anthony Ongaro? He's a rock star, and I'm so excited to introduce you to him. Let's go ahead and dive in. My friend, thank you so much for hanging out with me.
1: I'm thrilled to be here with you with me.
0: I am so stoked. So we connected initially through a mastermind group that we're both part of. And the funny thing is, I don't know if I ever told you this before we officially connected in the mastermind, I was going through these videos and I was trying to figure out how to get my life together and how to be a more productive person through minimalism, actually. And I came across your work. So I don't know if I ever told you that.
1: I I did not know that. No, I I didn't know that our online lives crossed before we actually uh, got into into some of that. That's that's really cool.
0: Yeah. I was just like watching you from a distance. I'm like, this guy's so cool. Like, what is this? And then when we connected, I was like, what?
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because I actually found you on Instagram before, like I definitely knew about you on Instagram before we were in the group together as well. So yeah. Small world. I I wonder if that was around the same time. Who knows?
0: That would be pretty crazy, right? So I'm really specifically curious about you do a lot of work with YouTube. I know that's not all that you do, but let's start there. Like what was the journey to starting your YouTube channel, which now has over like 72,000 subscribers
1: at the moment? Yeah.
0: Freaking amazing. So how did you get there?
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's been a journey like anything, uh, a, a process of just evolving the way that I create things. I was working full time and really just learned about Minimalism. I had always been on this intentional living path, in a way, wanting to just align actions with values, pretty much. You know, starting from a very early age. Uh, I don't know why, but you know, I found myself at thirteen in the self-help section all the time at the bookstore when we used to go to bookstores. Like, you know, I just always felt this this drive to to want to understand myself better, and and so that showed up in the form of breakthetwitch.com, the the blog. And so I was writing about, uh, actually after meeting Joshua Becker at a conference and he goes, oh, "Oh, you should write about that. (laughs) So literally that's why I started Break the Twitch uh, (laughs) because I wanted to share this (laughs) journey.
0: You're like, when he tells me to do something, I do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, when he goes, yeah, you should write about that. Uh, And and we'll probably get to the story of why he said that to me in in, in a bit here. But, But yeah, so... It, I really was just sharing and writing about the journey of removing clutter, removing stuff from my life, and it looked a lot like physical things at mm. the time because there was a, a bit of the the origin Amazon story there that that uh, that led into this Twitch, right? Like the one-click purchase, not really an intentional choice, but click—it's super easy. And, and so that's what led to creating all of this. I mean, I, I wrote for about a year and a half and then I just didn't feel like I could express myself as creatively or as fully as I really, really wanted to. I, I really couldn't get this like, yeah, like that kind of energy in my writing because it's not something that I've really prioritized. And so a friend of mine just said, hey, like, why don't you try recording a video? I'll come over. We can just sit down and film something. Because I was really, uh, I didn't know about it, right? I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. And we did it. It, it did way better than the blog. <laughs> and so, really? Immediately yeah, yeah. it did? Pretty much. I mean, I had some email subscribers. So from the time I started my channel, uh, I had 50 subscribers and it just kind of went from there. And it's been floating around that 72 number for a while now. But but uh, 72,000 number for a while. But in general, like it was just kind of steadily growing. And you have to also consider that like right now in 2020, YouTube is getting like 800 hours of content per minute uploaded to it. Back then it was like only a hundred. So, so I got in at a time when like there wasn't a ton of minimalism on YouTube, not a lot of men speaking about it on YouTube or like the intentional living stuff. And so I got in at a very good time. I, I admit that the window was. Good for me to to start that out at that point. And hey, and so, you took the step. Hey, we did it. you know we 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 did it and uh, just upgraded the cameras and did all that stuff over time and really just built what we're doing now. But but yeah, it's evolved, turned into a podcast where we record with two people in person, three camera setup and do the whole production. We did thirty episodes of that. That's on pause right now until you know we we, figure out what that looks like.
0: If you can be near people.
1: <laughs> we can ever be near people again, which has been just wild for me because we literally went from I have averaged more than a flight a month for 4 years. Wow. Until January, like in 2019, 17 round trip flights, most of them for speaking and work and other stuff. For some people who like do this at pro level, you know, they'll fly into a city talk for an hour, then fly back out. Like, that's nothing. But for me, this is it's been a lot. And going from that to nothing has been a wild journey inward (laughs) this year. It's been really weird uh, completely staying within the same neighborhood for the most part.
0: I'm curious, Anthony, do you feel, are you more extroverted or introverted? Like, where do you typically get your energy from?
1: It's a fascinating question with perhaps an equally fascinating answer because (laughs) I... Thought that I was extroverted. Hmm. Yeah. So I've spent most of my life as an extrovert. And this is something that I've been really thinking a lot about recently because I was an extrovert that did not take initiative to set up social engagements. Like I would always go when invited. And I felt good and like there's social validation there for me. And I think that's kind of why I got this energy from it. But now that I've been home for like eight months, I'm realizing that I'm much more introverted than I thought. And I'm really like embracing this space and this time and and just kind of tuning into more close friendships and things like that. Whereas earlier in my 20s, I just wanted to be out with people and I wanted to be doing things and feel that sort of energy. But so I'm very, at this point, I would say ambivert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've come back into my introvert nature. And some of that I think just comes from like more self-confidence or just like yeah. being okay, just being by myself. And and so that's a complicated, maybe a complicated answer to a simple question, but.
0: No, I love that. Have you noticed since quarantine, I'm always specifically curious with creatives. Has that helped your creative process? Has it really limited it? Like how, how has that been a factor for you?
1: Yeah. There are two things that I've generally found for people. One is that they're like, oh, this is great. I have so much more time <laughs> and can be productive now. And then it sort of like starts to over the months. Now it's like getting tough because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I need something else. For me, I was the opposite. Everything got terrible very fast, even though not a whole lot of my actual day to day life changed because I work for myself. My wife and I both work together uh, and we work from home. So in theory, not a lot of it changed but i think just the general anxiety the uncertainty of everything happening really affected my day-to-day life and like my general output of what i could do and so i found that it plummeted that first month of you know mid march through april may i was just like trying to figure out what end was up readjust to the new style of of life and now i feel like more productive and better than I was before the pandemic.
0: that's so fascinating. yeah, i I feel like I was the exact opposite. And so I'm always curious, like how do we how do we grieve? How do we take on these moments? and and more than anything, I think a lot of that comes down to that internal work that we do. And that's why I'm such a fan of yours is you are you're constantly practicing self-awareness and how that can help you in your life. And so that that practice of self-awareness, when you are in your full-time job, a, what was your job, and B, how did you develop this like desire to reduce less? Like, what what specifically was going on in your life?
1: Yeah, so the job that I had at the time, from about 2013 to 2016, was at a nonprofit called Nice Ride. It, it I was the marketing director of the the bike share system in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, cool. so so it was effectively this. You know, I was biking around and doing all these different initiatives and campaign stuff, and And uh, over that time, you know, we saw the sharing economy really bloom out of, you know, this was the second bike system of a large scale in the U.S. So at the time when it launched, so it was a very exciting time. And we've now seen like Lyft and Uber and and all these other things come out of this space. But for me at the time, I mean, this was really about getting into understanding like that the job itself was about sharing resources, about creating a community asset that you didn't have all the time. Mm. And, and so that played into what was going on in my, in my life as well, which was very serious Amazon spending. Now, this is one of the, one of the stories that, that I talk about, and I, I just posted on Instagram the other day, cause I did the math, uh, after Nicole actually posted, hey, what if you had bought bought stock with all of those purchases in Amazon or like in this thing instead of buying the thing itself? So like Apple stock instead of an iPhone or whatever. And, you know, sometimes those are practical things, other times not. But I just did this. And basically, like I calculated the 12 grand that I spent on Amazon over the course of four years. And now this was, you know, from like 2009 or 2008 to 2012. So this is what led up to me realizing that this was a problem. Like these small purchases were taking away my, my ability to do the big things. Like Mm -hmm. they were adding up, small things add up. And so don't they? So uh, do they ever (laughs) do they (laughs) ever? And, and so really it was about like figuring that out, but I did the math and it turns out that that 12 grand today. So not that like 10 years later, no, from 2012 to now. So eight years later, it would have been $150,000.
0: Stop it.
1: If I had just taken the 12 grand at the end of all that spending, just put it in Amazon stock, it would be $150,000. And I was like, hmm, that's, I'm just, uh, yeah, we're just going to. Right gonna, in the heart. Right in the, yep, right where it hurts. But, you know, these are the lessons. It's it's tuition, uh, you know. I, I it's, uh, it's tuition, unfortunately, but, but fortunately that's what it takes sometimes. So that's a, a lot of what was going on. I mean, I recognized this pattern discussions with my wife were like, man, there are a lot of Brown boxes coming all the time. You know, like it was that amount of money spread over four years and 350 different items. So like mm-hmm. at the high end, you had a laptop, but most of the things were just these small, like 20, 30, $40 things. And I was never really going into debt. Like I wasn't over spending quote unquote.
0: Right.
1: But it was always just at the month. I'm like, why is it just eh, just a bit of a stretch to pay off that credit card bill every single month? And I felt like eh, I'm not doing anything irresponsible. I'm working I have a decent job. And 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 you look at it all. What ended up happening was I compiled it. Right. That awareness is, is what helps us change. Yeah. Uh, put all of those purchases into a spreadsheet and tallied it all and charted it with some help of of uh, um, with Amy's help my wife and we like really looked at that and and I started to see all of the things that I was missing. So like all of the 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 family trips that were like you know a little more money but mm-hmm. that I just didn't feel like I oh man I just can't squeeze it. I don't know what's going on. And I felt like I should be able to because we were both working, we both you know we were comfortable, but it wasn't happening. And and so that was the moment where I started this journey. And about four months after that, uh, Joshua Becker of becoming minimalist actually stayed at my house to come speak at a mini, a Minneapolis. What? Yeah. It's the wildest story. Like it's amazing. My friend who's running the conference was like, Hey, can I have someone stay at your house? Just we're, we're hosting speakers with local people that will be at the conference. And I was like, uh, I guess. And, and it was Joshua Becker. So that's it's how like the that best all surprise ever. I mean, it was amazing. It was wonderful. Yeah. We, you know, it, it led to so many things, um, me getting to help with his nonprofit, the hope effect and just all this other stuff when he was starting it and it's been great. But, but that came like four months after this big epiphany happened for me and he's like, Oh, minimalism. And so I took it and ran with it. And so I started documenting that and, and, and that has just that public process, even if no one had ever followed the blog maybe it would have been a little discouraging but that public process of externally processing the 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 actual actions and the steps and the journey along the way has been super helpful and and it's just been something that really has helped me continuously dig down and peel away these layers of of why we do the things we do and it's fascinating
0: I love this. I actually just did a, a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago about financial minimalism and how that's something I'm striving for. And I know there's so much misinformation and confusion around what minimalism actually is. Yeah. I think we always think we're going to get rid of all of our crap and go live in a tent somewhere and be the happiest person ever. But what, what is minimalism from your perspective?
1: Yeah, I love that question because it really does vary depending on who you ask Um, there are people that have books out that that say you need to have a hundred things or less. It's the hundred thing challenge. And I I think that's BS. I mean, like that's great, but people are looking for answers. Right. People want answers. Just like, just how many things do I need to have to be happy, like to make it, like to be successful? Like, let me just cross that line. And wow, there is no line. And that's why how I look at minimalism, uh, it's a it's beautiful in that it's simply removing distractions. My focus with Break the Twitch is loving your attention. So in order to do that, we need to do a couple things. One is remove distractions from your life. And that can look like clutter, right? Mm -hmm. People call it clutter. It can be physical clutter. It can be digital clutter. It can be relationships. It can be negative thoughts and and different things. that, That narrative that we can carry sometimes, that's clutter. Like that's generally not helping us a ton. And and so even if it seems like it's driving us sometimes, like it's not <laughs> the best. Uh, and so for me, minimalism is like a very practical approach, a lens with which to look at the world and go, what do I want to be paying attention to? Because what we give attention to determines what we do, how we live. It determines the, the quality of our, our lives and how we're able to, to deploy our infinite resources, like the, the amazing potential that we have. And and so to me, that's what minimalism is about. We put so much pressure on this like Instagram look, right? Like like the the white walls and the big windows and the bedspread with the tea and the stuff on the bed. And I'm just like, (laughs) who does that? You doing that? Is that is that are we doing that? I don't know. I'm not doing that you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. And, and so there's this whole perception, this insecurity that I feel like so much of modern minimalism as it's now being, you know, this stuff rises to the top of, of the sexy like appeal. And it looks like a downtown loft uh, with, with brick exposed brick and all this stuff. And that's beautiful. and, And that's wonderful. But if we think that that is what minimalism is all about, Mm-hmm. it's just, we're just creating a new standard to live up to that we need to reach for. And it's like, no, it's about self-acceptance and understanding that we are enough on our own by ourselves with what we have. We don't necessarily need a better thing or a different thing to prove something about ourselves. And so it's about self-acceptance. It's about that kind of thing, right?
0: Oh, you're speaking to my soul right now, my friend. I love this conversation. I I often wonder, I don't know, like earlier in my days to trying to be more self-aware and just like being aware of how clutter affects me personally, mental clutter, digital, like exactly what you're saying. I'm kind of curious. I think there's some people that probably think that doesn't really impact them. But mm-hmm. how how specifically does that show up in our lives and how does that hinder us?
1: Yeah. So it's affecting you. One hundred percent, even if you think it's not. And I know that that's a bit tricky. <laughs> it because, totally is uh, because uh, the awareness piece is is the hard part, but but in reality, we have so much attention, right? We have time and we have attention each day. And we have less attention than we have time. So if you don't have don't feel like you have time to do things that you need to do, you definitely don't have the attention to do it. Hmm. And, and what's going on is that it's like my Amazon spending from days past, right? It's $20 at a time, but over the course of a year or two, it looks like what could have been $150,000 invested in Amazon. The little checks, the twitches, that discomfort, it's basically a coping method in a lot of ways, and some people yes are absolutely better at handling the uh, the desire right if you are fully confident in yourself and you like believe in all that you have to offer and you know you, you don't feel that you compare yourself to other people or you feel like someone else has more than you if you don't experience those things people ask me like who doesn't need minimalism I'm like well you don't need minimalism and you don't need to remove distractions if you have All the money you could need you have exactly the life that you want you're happy content comfortable and you you've like you don't want for for you know any other quality of life shift than what you have like if you're a doctor and you're working and you have your house and your family's happy you're getting to spend all the time with your family that you could want and and you have great relationships you don't need minimalism otherwise uh, you, we need it. We all need it. Totally. And, and because these things are just pulling away. There's this idea of flow. And I like to visualize, um, so Mihaly mihai is the, the, the father of positive psychology. And he talks about how flow, this place where we get super zoned in, super focused, is actually what recharges us, not passive consumption. Interesting. Vegging out. But in fact, having a project or something like uh, he uses the example of a garden uh, that a worker, a, a man came home from work and sat in his back step and, and wanted something to look at. So he built you know, this garden bed and then he'd come and sit. But by the time he got home, it, it would like be too dark to, to mm-hmm. see it. So he installed some lights around it so he could enjoy it. And then he figured it'd be helpful to have a sprinkler. And so he he added this automatic watering system that would reflect the, this rainbow of light with the lights when he got home, even if it would get dark. So he could sit and just cool. like enjoy it. And this, this process like of continuous sort of deepening of these, these projects were involved with, or like just, making the pizza from scratch which is, which is what we were just talking about yes, right? yes being able to slow down and involve yourself in the process is this flow state and it's so incredible and we can be in this place with rest we can be in this place with play and we can be in this place with work but the problem is we have to push this boulder up the hill so it can start rolling under its own power But every time we reach over to pick a weed or pick a flower, if it's like laundry or it's like some other to-do item that's not the thing you're trying to focus on, the boulder rolls down the hill and you're not going to get there. So to get to this place of singular work and focus, we have to give ourselves the opportunity to overcome that discomfort, show up to the blank page, right, And, and actually sit through it so that we can have this prolific amount of output. Like I said, there's a very wide range of people at, with different skill levels of of just showing up, pumping out the work. People that, that we know can just crank out eight blog posts a week. I have no idea how that happens, but it's never been me. <laughs> it's never been me either. I, I really I really have to go deep into the stuff that I'm doing and I want certain things to happen when I do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's um it's an interesting thing, but day to day checking your phone a hundred times or making these small purchases are effectively ways to cover a form of discomfort. It might be social discomfort. If you're waiting for a friend to show up, you know that moment when you go to the bathroom and you come back and then your friend is on the phone. Yes. It sucks. Right. Like it's like they were just waiting for you to leave so they could just check. Right. That sucks. And yet that is a discomfort that we feel in ourselves with like, oh, what do I do with myself now?
0: Mm. Like just that being alone with your thoughts. Is that like really what we're avoiding?
1: That's a big part of it. Huh. Yeah.
0: So how do we, the, the million dollar question, how do we start to change that process so that we are more present? We can get into that flow state and be happier people.
1: That's a wonderful question because this is my entire premise and life's work, which is loving your attention. I mean, realistically, it comes down to loving and owning your attention because it's terrifying the prospect of giving our full attention to something. We're constantly hedging. We're constantly a little bit over here, a little bit over there. Oh, got to keep busy, busy, busy instead of like really zoning in and, and loving our attention and giving it fully to the people, projects and things that we care about. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this. Like, I'm the master guru here. I'm, this is very much like the journey of, of what has helped me so, so much. And it really comes down to when we give our full selves, what if that's not enough?
0: Hmm.
1: Like, for me, that fear has yeah. been, been this deep-seated thing below the Twitch, below social media and Instagram and all of these things was sitting down just in the pit of my stomach And I didn't even realize it was like, I don't feel like I'm enough. So I have all of these things showing up in my life that sabotage my efforts that would prove that I am. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's a weird thing, but the process, one that there's no seven day detox for, or like, there's (laughs) no thing that can get you from A to B. I mean, I'm in this for, I mean, six years into this and that plus therapy now is like, oh, (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm like sabotaging myself because every time I sit down to write, my brain goes, oh, that's like the funniest tweet I have ever thought of. And I instantly have to go tweet it. <laughs> you too? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, like our brains are very, very adept at uh, at, at coming up with ways to protect yes. our spirit. And, and it looks like procrastinating, like laundry or like just other things that are helpful and productive. But those are the flowers on the hill, right? Yeah. Like, So so we have to like get to this place that looks a lot like self-acceptance, that looks a lot like, all right, I'm enough. I'm going to show up. And if I apply myself fully, give my full attention, that is a victory regardless of the outcome. And that is where we are all working to like, that's, that is this philosophy of, of what we're going for. Because again, if you feel like you're enough, it makes not spending money a lot easier.
0: So much easier.
1: Right? Like we don't feel like I need a better lens to be a better photographer. Like, no, I'm confident that I can make amazing things with what I have. I can be innovative. I can be creative. I can do all of these things that will will just show my own skill level growing with what I have. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that there's no benefit to having better stuff or more stuff in some cases. But at the root of it, that's what I found myself doing, this idea, like the false first step, right? I was buying a thing because I felt like, well, you know, once I have that, like once I have the heart rate monitor or like the new pair of shoes, then... I'll have what I need. Like, if you don't feel like you're enough, you look to externalize. This is what I was doing. I say yep. you, but I I effectively was trying to externalize. If I have the best lens on the market, then, oh, then I will be enough because then I have this external thing. So true. That, that I get to use, which will make me good, which is completely false. So like,
0: false. And we all fall into that, though.
1: Absolutely. It's human. And and we're marketed to. we I mean, I want to be very clear that that if you're feeling punched in the gut right now by this, if, if listening to this, that I really want you to to like not try to not feel shame that this has been your experience, mm-hmm. because this is a curated effort. Like okay. everything we use day to day at this point, if it doesn't have or include addictive principles, so the same kind of things that slot machines use. To keep us coming back, the, the different uh, psychological tricks or, or different things, the variable rewards that Facebook uses, that Instagram uses, they'll show your post to a batch of people at a time. And then yes. like the, so you keep coming back and keep checking because attention equals revenue for most of these companies. Attention is revenue. So, so it's designed to get us to feel this way. In addition to the the dawn of emotional marketing and and if you can have all the things you need, just buy this cologne. You know, this will bring you love. Like, eh, it's it's not your fault. We're we're working in a system that is redirecting the things we want and telling us all the wrong ways to get it. <laughs> so
0: it's so true. I just had a conversation with a guy named Ken Honda. He's um the Japanese. Uh, he calls himself the Zen millionaire. He's incredible. In one of the conversations, the question that's been sitting with me for a while now is, in America and in Western cultures, the questions for interviews with him specifically is, how do we make more money, typically? And in Japan, it's, how do I be happy with less? And I was like, oh, like we need to mainstream this. But for some reason, it's so difficult. Do you think it's because of the marketing and the like the hidden objectives, or are there other factors going on that makes it harder for us to just be happy with less?
1: There's so many factors. Uh, In the US, especially, I think, and maybe around the world, but I can speak to the United States because I live here. But I, I really think that so much of the culture here is built on like the Protestant work ethic and the value by contribution, which is Mm. meaningful, right? Contribution is meaningful, but again, we tend to try to go about it in the wrong way because the system is set up to just give us this thing like, oh, you graduated from college with this program. Great. Like you're a financial analyst, zero. Welcome. Okay. oh, congratulations, you've done well, and now you're a financial analyst one a year later. Mm-hmm. You've made it. You're a financial analyst two. <laughs> Next, if you're lucky, you'll make it to senior financial analyst. And and the system is set up to, especially now with student debt and all this other stuff, okay. is set up to give us uh, a, a solution to uncertainty, To know what's next because it's a track and there's that's perfectly fine there's a lot of people that are very happy in the track to do this thing and and it works but the the whole culture around more is because we view success as more like it, it is the the hyper reaction to feeling not enoughness which is working harder, getting more, buying more, trying to solve that that feeling by adding, additive solving mm-hmm. is rewarded by society because it looks like the things we see on Instagram. It looks like success. And so it's really about redefining what success looks like outside of maybe the culturally accepted thing here and, and figuring out what that looks like for you. And mm-hmm. and not letting us, especially initially, because when I was like, "Hey, we're getting rid of so much stuff." To our friends, they're like, "What?" Because these are all like corporate happy hour folks that we met early in our days in our early 20s and are still friends with. But you know, early on, they're like, "What? Why? Smaller why house? That? Like why in the city? Like one car? Like, <laughs> why crazy? would you have one car? Isn't that inconvenient?" Well, you know, I bike everywhere and stuff like that. So initially it's weird. And then people go, Oh, like I've always kind of shared this idea of being living proof. Like mm. people question the things you're doing. If it's counter countercultural. cultural to, to feel like you're enough and, and be content with what you have, but still at the same time, be willing to continue working to, to better yourself and the people around you. Like, why is that so weird? Why is I that such know. a counter cultural idea? uh lately I, it's it's so funny cuz like lately i've really been understanding better this idea of anxiety based work like working out of fear of what will happen if you don't
0: Ooh, go on how did That's, you come across this idea
1: well this is something that my wife and i've been talking about quite a bit recently because we've been really like analyzing and thinking about what motivates us like yeah. what is it that motivates you and, and are you, like, a carrot person or a stick person? Both. And, and why, right? Exactly. And why? Like, I have a theory, and there may be supporting evidence to this, but this is pretty fresh to me in that there's a whole thing, a whole lot of stuff that I could tie in with this around, like, the body positivity movement, the self-acceptance movement, the, like, Just the loving yourself thing attention. Love your attention is love yourself. Like that's literally what it is because you are your attention. So There's all of this kind of packaged stuff that makes a ton of sense to me right now because What I have found is that Instead of doing something because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't We can do something because we love the thing that we're doing it for and and so, if we love ourselves and we love our bodies and have this more positive view of that, it's so much easier to take care of something that you feel deep down is worth taking care of. And and so, so we're working and finding motivation out of a place of love instead of like this. Oh, I'm gonna get oh, I'm gonna get fat if I don't go to the gym. Like, yep. What? And, and unfortunately, this is driven by consumer culture because insecurity creates not enoughness, which creates consumption. I mean, that's just like Hands very down, yeah. straightforward, right? We we all want the right things. We want connection. We want to feel successful. We want to meaningfully contribute to our people, to our work, and, and show up. We all want the right things, but we're being provided these like low bar, easy, easy, instantly accessible, instant gratification ways to feel like we're stepping towards those things.
0: So true. And so the the negative in the example of the gym, like I, I don't want I have to go to the gym where I'm gonna get fat. That's the stick, so to speak. So a carrot might be what in that example?
1: Yeah. So going to the gym reduces my stress levels. It gets my heart pumping. Like there's this whole idea that is effectively flawed that like if you go to the gym and then you eat too much, you have canceled out. Ugh, why bother? You canceled out. <laughs> I've right? said this. I mean, I have too. It's 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 completely human because yeah. we're like, we think that these are tied activities. They are not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't matter if you cancel out your workout. And I'm doing air quotes for anyone listening right now. It doesn't matter because really doing literally anything for yourself is an act of self-care. So whether that's going to the gym and just like blowing off some steam, having fun, like moving around, when we view it as a, a form of self-care, then all of a sudden it's just a practice. Like it's like any other habit that is just a form of showing up for yourself. That's why for like your first habit, if you're trying to do something with money or with with yourself with to improve your health or whatever, it literally doesn't matter what you do it literally does not matter because the the practice we're building is showing up for ourselves that is the habit not the not the thing that you're doing it's beneficial to put a dollar every week into your savings account it's beneficial but it's the practice of like prioritizing yourself and prioritizing the things you value knowing you're doing that for yourself and then understanding that like that reinforces itself. Oh, I'm worth doing things for. I deserve to take care of myself so that I can take care of others, right? Like it is about serving others, but you know, if you're a drowning lifeguard, it's not gonna be great no. <laughs> for other no. people. It, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, so, So this whole kind of philosophy around this is like, what if we really dive in and peel back these layers and work to undo this knot where it takes time. Like I said, these are not just instant fixed things because it goes down to our trauma. Like it goes down to our deep
0: yeah, it does.
1: coping methods and the things that we've just established for ourselves unconsciously. But, you know, we can get there. It just takes some unpeeling and, and switching over to this place of like, I am enough. And I can't wait to like give myself to this work and see how many people I can help That's see, right. you know, how well I can do today in terms of this, or, or like, what if I can make my time a little bit better today? That would be so yeah. cool. Yeah,
0: Just changing the metrics a little bit too. I love that. As you were speaking, I, I'd love to have like a philosophical conversation about this. Cause this is so interesting. You mentioned the habit is showing up for yourself. And let's use the example of, you know, saving 10 bucks a week, if you can, if that's in your budget, cool. Do you feel like when people are first building these habits, do we over rely on technology as a way to not put that pressure on us to like, Whitney has to show up and like manually transfer that $10? Or is the technology still helpful? Like, I'm super curious your thoughts there.
1: That's a fascinating question. I will answer generally first is that my opinion is a lot of the time technology for the sake of technology and convenience again air quotes is is dumb uh so there is a point where the line crosses over where maybe it's actually good if we stand up and go switch off the light instead of staying where we are and saying alexa turn off the light so But there's a point, and it's different for all of us, because I think the accessibility of technology is wonderful, and it provides access to things that uh, for people who might not be able to access those things. And so I never want this to be about like ableism or like, you know, no, all convenience is bad. No. But personally, we have to actively decide, instead of getting a new technology just because it's coming out or it's available, is this actually benefiting my life? Or would I be better off like getting up from my desk and going across the house and turning off the light as just a form of self-care and movement through the day. So with that in mind, I will say that I don't think it matters a ton whether you're automating that savings or you're doing it every week. I think that removing distractions in a sense of of having to remember to do it yeah. is probably helpful in terms of automating it. But looking at it, seeing it and going, yes, like look at this. I put 40 more dollars into my account. That's a whatever percent increase than from what was there before. And like I'm crushing it. Like I'm this is great. Mm -hmm. I'm showing up for myself and doing this and it's automatic. Look at this. I'm automating self-care. And and so I don't know that it matters a ton, but if it is, that's something to experiment with, I suppose. If you don't forget and you feel like it's a little thing like, bam, I'm going to get in here, transfer some <laughs> dollars, hit that send button, ba-bam, then That's do right. it, right? Uh, it's going to be personal, but I don't know that it fully matters as much as seeing that transfer go, being like, yep, because we always want to wait, right? It's like, no. well, all right, when I get that promotion, then I'll be able to start you know, putting some money away every week. Oh, yes that's the big thing. And we do that with everything. The
0: deferred life plan. We all do it.
1: The deferred life plan. And not in a positive way where it's like, well, I'm going to, you know, just put off some of this gratification, have some fun things, but I'm going to put off some of this and so that I can reap the rewards of this later in a very negative way where it's like, well, once I get out into the real world, I'll think about starting a blog. It's like, what is the real, like, are you not, is college not the real world? Like, are, are you in a different world? I always get
0: world? confused on that too.
1: <laughs> like, this whole thing. Like, this is life now. That's what I, I always have to remind myself. Like, no, no, this is life now. It's the real world now. Right. And and you can do whatever the hell you want now if it makes sense for you, because it's something that you want to do, you, you see the space for it and you want to go for it. And, and so it's this idea of like, maybe we don't need to wait until well, after I change jobs this summer. And there are some times where that's appropriate, you know, sure. like I, I cannot even look at buying a house until I get through this phase of my life and that's fine. But if that pattern starts to show up and you notice that, uh, your attention, right. Is, is, kind of pointing in different directions, whenever that comes up, maybe that's something to look at. I really believe that our attention speaks to us. I think it tells us what's going on. It tells us what we need. If our attention goes to something, the second we sit down to do something important, it's saying, hey, this is really important and I'm trying to protect you from it right now. I don't want you to be vulnerable, it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. So we can listen to that and understand and kind of externalize and go, All right, I'm a little afraid to pour myself into this grant application right now. Uh, It feels pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. And then we hear it out loud. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, it'll be okay. We'll do our best and go for it. And that's a radical idea for many, I know.
0: No, it really is, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's real, Um, it's super helpful.
0: I love this conversation. I I literally could talk to you for nine years
1: (laughs) about this. (laughs) I
0: think think it's so, it's just interesting how it touches every area of our lives. And so I think it's that little bit of self-awareness, that self-acceptance. That's the big takeaway that I'm getting from this is like, love yourself now and pay attention to your attention of where that goes. And that your attention is self-care in a lot of ways. I think that's an interesting concept I haven't heard of before. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that are maybe like a couple of like quick actionable tips that you think people can start to immediately apply to help them maybe gain more attention or improve their life in some way?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a ton of just like quick tips that I could rattle off in terms of here and then now. They're broad things and, and, sure. and more now things like certain little things around attention. So like going analog before you turn on any screens. I, I call this like the clay principle where it's really good before you 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 do anything, you put clay on the table, just jot a few notes about what exactly you're going to do. Get some words out. Oh, it needs to be relevant to this group of people and it should serve this purpose. And then turn on your computer and open the document. Mm. Because often that, that, that boulder feels really heavy at the bottom of the hill, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and so um, a lot of that, there's this thing called pointing and calling, which is used in in the Japanese train industry and in the transportation industry, where you, uh, if you're going to change something or change directions, you point at it, you call out what it is that you're going to do so that you are literally aligning every single one of your senses around the action, and it's shown to huh. reduce mistakes by 85%.
0: 85%?
1: Yeah, like the the fatality and issue and crash rate dropped. Holy substantially crap. Substantially when this was implemented. So this would look like uh, before you're going on your phone, kind of like the analog thing, it's a version of that. You'd say, you point to your phone and say, I'm going to open my email and send Matt an email updating him about this thing. Out loud. Hmm. You might look a little crazy. Like, <laughs> you might yeah, see, no doubt, right? seem weird, right? But it is real because what you're doing is you're taking your subconscious and you're hearing it instead of just letting these ideas bounce around your brain. You open your email and all of a sudden you're reading this email that you didn't even know you had yet. You're responding to it. Oh, I got to check the calendar. You go over. It's like this infinite loop of, of attention bombs. So pointing and calling and associating like really bringing things into your body and so that you're hearing your intentions. It works really well. Um, And then the big, big one is just dumping that those tweets to a notebook next to you while you're working, because in the first 10 minutes, I think of the best tweets uh, I ever think of. Right. It's almost a hack to like if I want to think of Twitter content, I should just like I should just (laughs) try try to to do something really important. Um, it, It happens all the time. So those are just some like little things that in the here and now can be really helpful, but also one big one in the broader scope that builds up over time is this thing I kind of call the fire bucket theory. It's like we try to put out water or we try to put out fires with water, right? If there's a fire, you have water in a bucket, you dump it out, dump it out. And then once you run out of water, um, the fire is still going. And we're like, Ugh, we just keep dumping. We yep. just keep trying to do it. 100%. And eventually we just take the the whole bucket and just put it on top of the fire, hoping it'll put it out. And then it just burns the bucket and now we don't have a bucket and that is an analogy for our attention every day. We're like, we just push through and we're like, push through, push Ooh. through. And then, so what we need to do is we need to stop, need to go back to the sink, fill up the bucket and then come back to it. It's going to work better. People talk about sharpening the ax. Yeah. Stop. I just don't have time to sharpen the ax. There's just so many trees to chop, right? It, like, These, these things are just natural in that, again, it comes back to this self love thing, like feeling like, no, no, I haven't done enough. Like, I need to do more. I need to, uh, just, Mm -hmm. and so we need to stop before it's like going to the gym. I loved what you were saying on Instagram the other day. You set like 20 minutes on the thing and you feel, you feel good. Like leave happy. Yep. Don't leave miserable. Because what's gonna reward that inner cycle, right? Yeah. It's it's the it's the process of enjoying the outcome of what you do and doing it for yourself. And so, like, yeah, it makes so much sense. So that's the that's the the fire bucket theory. Uh, don't this. burn your bucket. You gotta just you gotta just stop before you're ready. Sit, meditate, go eat, clean something. Just get up physically, move, and then come back to it. It doesn't make sense to our subconscious, but it's, it works so, so well.
0: I'm going to try that. I like, I'm going to try the point in calling too. I think I, sometimes I do that without even recognizing that where I talk to myself maybe all day long. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I do. And
1: so, it is your calling. Yeah. Is that's it? it is.
0: That's, so every time I'm like, okay, Whitney, you have to do this today. You've got yes. three things. You have to get these these things done, um, but I I'm gonna try that and be a little bit more aware of it. So I'll report back to you and let you know how it's I would going. I'd
1: love to hear. I'd love to hear. But that's basically what you're doing. I mean, you're you're externalizing those thoughts so that you're hearing it too, and aligning that subconscious around the the desired outcomes for the day. Yeah. And I would add, and it's okay if I don't. Oh, that's so good. Because realistically, life that's is gonna good. go on. Things are gonna happen. And that underlying thing is is like, you know, there are things we need to get done, I understand. But yeah. but also building this wave, this like this tide of of self-appreciation. It's not selfish. Like self-care is not selfish. No, this not. is how we show up, this is how our our cup overflows so we can give more to other people and like actually do better work. So
0: freaking love it. This is so good. I love it so much. And I think everybody needs to go check out your YouTube channel. Um, quite contrary to say, like, guard your attention because I know people are going to binge all of your videos. <laughs> so maybe block it on your calendar. Give yourself yeah, permission. <laughs>
1: for sure. Give yourself permission to, to get into it. I have a whole video about so pointing and calling and all that kind of stuff on there, too.
0: I somehow miss that. I'm excited to go look at that one, too. I'll definitely link that one in the show notes because that's something I personally going to be working on. All right, my friend, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. I'm excited to hear your answers to these. This is going to be fun. Okay. You are a minimalist, so this is always fascinating. That means every purchase is fairly intentional for you, but what's one purchase you've recently made that has made your life better?
1: Okay. I thought about this and I have two, but I'll just share one. And then if if you want, I'll give the second. Uh, We got an amazing coffee grinder, like the Burr grinder. I use it every single morning and it it becomes, as I'll say a a bit, a morning ritual. It was $150, which is mid range for grinders. They go up to 600 or more. (laughs) So, but for me, like that's a, it's up there in terms of that. And you just turn the knob to the number and it just grinds at 16 different sizes. It's all consistent. And it, I was very skeptical at how much better the coffee would be. It's, It's better. Like it's serious. Yeah. It's really worth it than having that little, the $15 spinny. Yeah. That's what I have. We have, I've used that for 30, you know, however, however many years I've been drinking coffee, which is probably 15 or so. But it
0: started when I was two years old. Yeah. When I was two,
1: (laughs) started drinking caffeine. Uh, So it does, it actually does uh, taste smoother, better with the grind being consistent. So that was one. Uh, And if I may all about love by bell hooks is an amazing book that I bought last month and it is blowing my mind. So that really digs into redefining what love is and it'll probably blow your mind. So it's really, really good. I had to give that second one. It's just,
0: thank you. Is that a good audio book or more physical copy?
1: I read the physical copy because I like highlighted half the book and took notes because that's because for blogging and stuff, I like to process information that way. But I do listen to a lot of audiobooks. I bet it would be equally good because if you're just listening to uh, consume it, it'd be great.
0: Awesome. I love it. Okay. Now let's pretend we're post COVID and I'm dying to know where's one location you'd love to travel to.
1: Man, it, it's, uh, that's a tough question because the only thing I can think of right now is like inward journey inward. Like that's very much where my mind has gone with COVID. Uh, I would love to go to Spain. I haven't been there in a long time and I just really miss it. Like Madrid or, or, uh, Galicia, like in Spain and, and mm-hmm. adventure there, uh, cause it's been too long, but, but, uh, I think one of the biggest things right now, especially is just turning inward and journeying and starting to peel back some of this stuff because it's a really rare opportunity to do that kind of stuff right now.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think you're spot on on that too. Okay. Next question for you. I know for certain you've got morning routine. So what is your current morning routine?
1: Yeah, it's it's very simple actually. Um, Usually in the morning we have like community focus sessions with the Break the Twitch member community set up. So I have that as one of the first scheduled things in the morning. So usually it looks like I get up, I have like a 10 or 12 minute coffee routine. So I I use an AeroPress and make really strong espresso like coffee that takes a minute. Um, and then I do a couple exercise bands usually just like, just to do nothing, not a serious workout, but just like getting some muscle movement in before I'm sitting down. And, um, we just ordered a rogue echo bike. We finally broke down. Yeah. It's like the it's like the CrossFit one, even though I'm not a big CrossFit person, but it's 110 degrees here in Phoenix, and we've just finally broke down. We're like, we need some form of cardio equipment ourselves because yeah. can't go to the gym uh, where we are, and it's too hot to do anything outside right now. So so we just did that. So that will be part of the morning routine very, very soon next week. Uh, but for right now, that's, that's pretty much it, like water. The coffee, which is like a slow coffee routine, and then just like a little bit of movement, some bands stretching just a bit to get set up for the day. And then I get down to work because I'm walking across the house to, to get started. So
0: Long commute. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that morning routine. And I'm definitely going to check into the grinder. I'll put that on my budget for next month. <laughs>
1: mm, yep. I can definitely, ask, I can I can make a recommendation. Yeah, we like it a
0: Perfect. lot. Perfect, yeah, send I me mean, your Amazon affiliate link, I got it. <laughs>
1: ah,
0: go. um, last question for you, in your opinion, what is the secret to financial success?
1: In a way, I feel like I've kind of, yeah, I feel like I've kind of answered this a little bit in, in that uh, the secret to financial success, I believe, is, uh, is this idea of loving yourself, loving your attention, loving yourself, because you could save 90% of your income but if it's out of this, like the the more fear based mentality and you don't feel like you're enough while doing that, you're not going to feel successful, even though financially there may be plenty of money. Uh, a lot of the time it's just like, well, maybe when I get the second million or the fifth million or, oh, you know what? 10 million would be, I'll be I'd be comfortable there. And if, you know, we'll just, it's a moving goalpost that we'll never get to if we can't Peel back these layers of why and and how and what and for why and for what.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love it. It's so true. That's so good. Anthony, you were a rock star and I am so grateful you took the time to hang out with me on the podcast. It was really fun to learn more about your background and some of your philosophies in person. In person, I will use air quotes on too. But thank you again for your time.
1: I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to, to just chat with you and, and show up, and um, thank you very
0: much. Thank you. All right. Tell me what you thought. I love this episode. I thought it was really interesting, and more than anything, it made me want to pay closer attention to my attention. <laughs> Give, it gave me a better sense of awareness of where my thoughts wander and how I feel that discomfort. When I get into that elevator, do I pull out my phone or do I just enjoy being at peace with myself? Am I trying to like hide from something? That was one of the big takeaways for me. There was a ton to talk about throughout this episode, but I'd love to hear what did you take away? What really stood out to you? Please do me the biggest favor. Tag me on Instagram and let me know what really resonated with you most. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co and then share this with one person that you care about. If you think it can help somebody improve their life or give them maybe that catalyst, it can be that spark to ignite something send it their way you never know who's listening in and you never know who needs to hear this message so if you have somebody in mind definitely send it to them it's one of the greatest compliments you can do for me and the podcast and even for anthony all right my friend that is it for today thank you so much for tuning in i will see you on friday for five tip friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast bye